Welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. Why, it's a surprise at, uh, for everyone. It's Christmas time. What? Tis Christmas time, you say? Why, tis, my my dear sweet boy. Oh, oh, Kalu Kalei. <laughs> oh, Frab just day, Kalu Kalei. In, in, indeed. Uh, Someone the- has slain the Jabberwock. <laughs> oh, oh, the Momraths do celebrate Christmas this day. Uh, oh, look how they gyre and jimble. So, I am John. That over there was Jeff. Hi. It's time for Movie Mastery. We're doing some Christmas stuff. This year, we're doing a Bad Dad's Christmas. Yeah, welcome to Bad Dad Christmas. We were going to call it Shitty Dad Christmas, but I think this probably is more marketable. Well, it's more marketable and it rhymes, which is nice. Yeah, I don't know how else we were going to get that in there. Yeah. Father of a shitty kitty. Don't hang on. That's like a cat would be bad. (laughs) Father of a shitty kitty. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Wait, hang on. Isn't that just sung to the tune of the owner of a lonely heart Father song? Father of a shitty kitty, much better than the... Yeah. All right. Well, okay. So, yeah, it's the Bad Dad Christmas because so many Christmas movies are about bad dads. It is a weird trend in Christmas movies to be very much about, like, dads that aren't good enough or dads that are too focused on something that isn't Christmas. Basically, it seems like 90% of Christmas movies in the last 20 years, not counting Hallmark Christmas movies, uh, are about a dad who either isn't Christmasing hard enough or is Christmasing too hard. Well, Christmasing in the wrong way. Yes, they're just, they aren't Christmasing right, and it's causing problems in the family. Yeah, you you very, very rarely get anything besides some shitty dad. The, the fact that a bad mom's Christmas exists is honestly, to me, it's nice. It's nice to see some equal rep- representation in the shitty parent christmas i mean really if you think about the history of christmas movies how many are there where a mom is failing the family in some nebulous stupidly defined way like there's i I can't think of any that are comedic like all the dad ones you've got you know you've got like 1985's one magic or i don't know 1985 what the fuck ever it's uh one magic christmas which is just like some misery porn christmas about a lady who's like well anytime you have moms in a christmas movie it's almost always a mom that is sad because she can't provide enough yeah it's like oh i wish i had enough money to give my kids the christmas they want in, in, in any other situation, they're married and the husband is off doing ridiculous bullshit and, and uh, they're limited to saying one of like three things. You know, you weren't thinking enough about the children or you're never at home or, you know, how much did that cost? And that's all they're allowed to say. Yeah, it's very nebulous Christmas related things and they either get to be uh, supportive and put upon or like very angry and put upon. Now, this isn't something we're coming to from nowhere because we've watched a lot of Christmas movies over the years. Over the years. We've seen our fair share of Christmas. And one thing we've come to terms with is that most Christmas movies are about shitty dads, even the ones that we've specifically watched, just the two of us already. Like, uh, I don't know, think of any one of them. Jack Frost, which yeah. we did a long, long time ago. The Michael Keaton is a snowman movie. Uh, now, that's one where the, the... Here's another thing about these that's often a problem for us. The bad dadness of them is often so minor that well, it's, it's weird that everyone's mad at them. It's the movie will try and be like, yo, this, this dad is awful yeah and it wants to convince you of that and yet when you deconstruct the movie you're like oh this is just a dad like a lot of the times when you have uh like a non let's do a non-christmas one like say uh the hook hook where 
you know, Peter Pan as a dad is supposed to be an awful dad because he's too into business. Yeah, he's, he's too a business, business. dad, and yeah. he businesses too hard. But a lot of the time, you're like, look, dude, that's it's his job. It's not like, oh, what an awful parent. It's just this guy does business. That's his job. Yeah, yeah. In, in the Michael Keaton movie, in Jack Frost, it's uh, oh, he's a blues musician and he's really struggling to provide for the family because you know no one wants a fucking farty blues musician. Uh, but he gets a gig and it's for like three hours on Christmas Eve, not even on Christmas, but on Christmas Eve, and his son like straight up. Th- throws the family harmonica at him and stomps off all grumpy. Like Ah, uh, the family harmonica. Yeah, there's a fucking harmonica that gets pat it's magic. It turns his dad into a snowman. Uh and he's like, How dick don't even bother coming home on Christmas if you're gonna work on Christmas Eve. Yeah. He's like, what is there's this expectation in a lot of these movies that during the week leading up to Christmas, you, you need to be home a hundred percent of the time playing catch in the yard with your son, or you're terrible at dadding. Oh yeah. Now as the uh as the son of a pastor, I'm like, man, I don't understand that because for me that is like 100% my dad's busiest time yeah and no one's gonna be like oh fuck you your dad's awful because he's working too much on Christmas because he's a goddamn pastor yeah but you're like oh so he gets a pass because he's doing religious stuff but anyone else who works during the holidays the worst okay well my dad was a manager he's retired now but he was the manager of a Trader Joe's uh, for 40 years and so of course he worked the day before Christmas and the day after Christmas my entire childhood yeah obviously so and here's what I did. I got used to it because we were done with Christmas by like 1030 in the morning on Christmas Day anyway. You, you wake up, you open your presents, eat a delicious Lebkuchen or whatever it is your mom made because she cooks German food all the time. And then uh, you're by 1030 in the, mor- in the morning, I was bedecked with cool new presents outside playing with my Jew homies. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one of those things in these movies is there's a lot of points where they're like, oh, you don't spend enough time with the kids during the holidays. I'm like, do you know how little your kid gives a fuck about spending time with you during the holidays? <laughs> it is the like second absolute. They op- yeah, the second they open Christmas presents, they're like, great, I'm going to go play with these. I do not give a fuck about you. Good day, sir. Yeah, the only movie that ever got that right is A Christmas Story, the, you know, which John's only seen once and knows that it's boring in his worldview. But, but that part, the Christmas morning part of A Christmas Story is dead on. Yeah, it's, oh boy, we got presents, bye. And then the two... The two parents are like on the couch going like, oh, God, it's so Christmas fucking sucks. Just, oh, bowling ball, whatever. And then the two kids are literally passed out from playing too hard. And that's that's right. Yeah, that 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 got it. Now, the the, the movie for this week, because we haven't even said the name yet, <laughs> is Deck the Halls. 2004, I think? Six. Six. 2006 is Deck the Halls, starring Matthew Broderick and Danny DeVito yeah. as our titular crappy Christmas dads. These are our bad dads for the week. Each we of are, them has a lesson to learn. We are going to be back and diving deep into why these dads are bad after this music for Deck the Halls. <laughs> Take the halls with bells of holly fa la 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 Tis the season to be jolly fa la 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 Don't we now I get a pebble fa la 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 so these bads, these bads dads, these these dads of bad, these these totally bad dudes. Who are, <laughs> are they a bad enough dad to save Christmas? <laughs> so first of all, I want to ask you a question, John. What are we doing here? Is this a, 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 our next episode has to be a live one from the movie theater anyway? And it's probably going to be like Ready Player One. Oh, it's Jumanji. It's Jumanji. It's straight up Jumanji. So no, so, is winning so handily. So how are we going to make a bad dad's Christmas a thing? Do we have to do a few more extra episodes or something? I mean, we might throw out a bonus one. Okay, that's probably how we're going to make this into an actual event that we're doing then oh i think we're gonna do a straight up christmas event as a surprise for our listeners i mean they know we're doing it but what we're doing that's the surprise 
All right, so get ready for a surprise, everybody. It won't be announced today. Uh, so yeah, the titular dads of badness, Matthew Broderick as uh, Steve Finch. Finch. Yeah, Steve Finch, and then uh, Danny DeVito as I Danny Hall. Danny Hall. You so- see, because the halls move in next door, and they're so annoying that you might want to deck the halls. Oh, for fuck's sake, I didn't even put that together. Uh, come on, man, you got to put that together. That this is, movie is garbage. That is atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so basically, here here are the different types of Christmas malady that each one of the dads of this movie is suffering from. And by the way, do they have families? Of course they do. We'll get into that. But uh, Steve Finch... We'll spend about a, a, as much time with that families as the movie does, which is to say, let's check in with them briefly, we'll, and we'll, we're done. We'll tell you who they are and what their deal is. So Steve Finch is a man who uh, was moved around. He was an army brat growing up, and so his parents moved him around all the time at Christmas, and he never got to have any real Christmas traditions. Yeah, and he's he's super sad that... When he was a kid, Christmas was just like, you wake up and you eat some french fries and like maybe there's a present and that's it. Yeah. Like he didn't Christmas hard enough as a kid. Yeah. So he's obsessed with a regular uniform Christmas. He needs to, every day is a ma- every day all December long, because he's got a big wooden advent calendar, uh, is a magic event that you have to do on that specific day in a very regimented fashion. Yeah. So it's like, okay, this day is putting up the wreath. This day is putting up the tree. This day is lights. You know, yeah. the whole thing is... Is I have tried to make as many traditions as possible. Yes. Now, uh, his his family, his put upon sad family, consists of Kristen Davis, or the youngest member of Sex in the City. Yep. Uh, as his wife, uh, his son, who is some nobody. Uh, who is a little 10-year-old boy who starts the movie by saying he's having a midlife crisis, kind of? He's like, Well, basically, he starts off and he's like, oh, I don't even know what's going on with my life. I'm I'm already 10 and I haven't diversified my portfolio. So, like, shit like that. Okay, so what we're getting from him is a young, you know, uh, Michael J. Fox archetype from that one show. Like, we're, I mean, we're basically just getting a, oh, kids these days, they, they want to worry about their future and, instead of worrying about playing in Christmas. They're so savvy that they spend time talking about their stock portfolios all the time between checking their electronic mail bobs Oh, these kids and their 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 TVs and their cellular phones. <laughs> With their who's a guts its and their what's-its. And then uh, his daughter, 17-year... Uh, or no, she's supposed to be 15 in this movie. Uh, Alia Shawkat, who you'd remember is maybe Bluth. Yeah. Now, before this movie started at all, we knew nothing about it going in, and I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to watch a movie about a dad that is bad at Christmas, his put-upon wife, his son that wants to spend time with him, and his teenage daughter that does not want anything to do with him. The movie started, and that is exactly what it was. Yeah, this family could not be more boilerplate. You've got a a boring but pleasant wife. You've got a weird dad with a Christmas problem. You've got a little boy who's like, Dad, I just want to spend time with you, although that doesn't show up till about three-quarters of the way into the film. Yeah, they forgot to to put that on there but it is definitely i'm the young kid and i've got i got things for christmas that i want to do and i i like christmas and dads so the thing that really bugs me about the sun is that it feels a lot like they start one arc in the movie and then finish a completely different one yeah when he starts out the sun almost seems like he's gonna be one of those dad archetypes where it's like oh i'm too concerned with stuff that isn't christmas yeah and i'm not concerned with being enough about like being a kid I, i i haven't realized that being a kid's all about having fun and I don't need to worry about the future. Yeah, like, uh, Dad, can I please have stocks in Microsoft for Christmas? And, you know, Matthew Broderick has to be like, no, son, you're getting a ball. 
you get a bike like a regular kid. Yeah, and then he goes, oh, wow, a bike, and then that solves his problem. But by the end of the movie, he's instead obsessed with spending time with his dad because they needed to kind of drive home the dad arc. Well, they had to because they were like, oh, wait a minute, that's right. The entire like template for how to make one of these movies is the, the young son has to be like, dad, why aren't you spending time with me? And yeah. so we had to do that with this kid. So this kid has two arcs. He starts one and finishes a different one. Meanwhile, Alia Shawkat is the completely bog standard 15-year-old teenage girl who wants nothing to do with her family or Christmas. Yeah, it's um, everything that this family does is embarrassing, and all I can do is roll my eyes and, and say, ugh. Yeah, and then you got Kristen Davis, who, uh, well, she writes, she edits cookbooks, and she kind of hints in the very beginning of the movie that her arc is going to be that she is dissatisfied with editing cookbooks. She wants to write one. Yeah. Okay. And then they go to bed. And who should show up in the middle of the night but the loudest truck in the universe? They get so mad that this moving truck isn't just like, oh, whoever's moving in in the middle of the night with that big loud truck, you know that they're they're schlubs. And I go, dude, it's not their truck. Yeah, it is a moving truck. They don't own a moving truck. That's some moving truck's fault. That's... Either they got jerked, uh, they got jerked around on a rental, or they hired a moving company that is using a shitty truck. But you can't put this on the family. Yeah, and also way to be super classist about it. Like, say the only moving company they could afford a truck for was a company that just had shitty trucks that made a lot of noise and had that backfire nonsense. Yeah. Okay, great. That's still not a thing where it's like that family is bad because they cannot afford a better truck. What they can still afford is a three bedroom with no next door neighbors in some part of forested. I forget where they were specifically. Uh, they said it at one point. It was uh, I have no idea. Uh, it was some. It was like Massachusetts. I think it was like uh, it was a beautiful. Na- he was their only neighbor. Yeah, that was the thing. They were like, oh, the only neighbor we have is an across the street neighbor because there's no one on either side of Danny DeVito's house. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the house, because a big thing is going to be aerial views of these houses. There's no one around. It's just like these two houses, and that's it. Yeah. So I can tell you, they may have used a shitty moving truck, but they are rich as fuck. Yeah. Uh, and so the the halls move in, and our introduction to the halls outside of just you know them moving in in the middle of the night is Danny DeVito shows up the next morning and gets caught like trying to steal the paper from Matthew Broderick's doorstep, <laughs> and uh, then you know he tries to play it off as like oh I was just getting the paper for you, and they have a stupid introduction. But basically, what happens at the end of it is he steals Matthew Broderick's coffee cup and coffee and paper. Yes, and we get to in- we. Get to meet uh, at least the parents of the uh, Hall family, which is Danny DeVito, who is a salesman, who uh, his big problem is that he's never satisfied anywhere he goes because he never does anything big enough. He's he's always switching jobs and switching where he lives, and it's because he he never finds anything that makes him happy. Every time he's like, look, I can I can sell anything to anyone. I can sell the ice Eskimos, and I'm great at doing whatever, but boy, howdy, I, I can never find something I'm happy about. And his wife, uh, it's Kristen Chenoweth, uh, taking the job that she gets these days because Amy Sedaris got too old, which is... Uh, trashy blonde. Tra- trashy blonde trophy, or, or uh, former trophy wife. Yeah. It's the job that Kristen Chenoweth appears to have been born to play. Uh, so she pops up and she's like, well, hey there, don't let him steal your paper. I've got a push-up bra, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and so she's she's there and... And, uh, and her big obsession for the course of the film is that she wants to settle down somewhere and just... She's tired of moving around. Yeah, yeah. So right away we get the sparks flying between Mr. Finch and Mr. Hall because because uh, Danny 
DeVito is gruff and apparently just a, a, a thief. If we, well, I mean, we we are supposed to get a very odd couple vibe of like, oh, Matthew Broderick's so uptight, but Danny Hall, oh, Danny DeVito's doing his his best impression of like being a sloppy guy like he is in every single fucking thing ever. Yeah, with the problem being that, you know, at the end of this scene, he has stolen all of Matthew Broderick's stuff. Yeah. So when you're like, I like this guy, he's fun and schlubby. You're like, no, he's he's a he's sle- a literal thief. He's a sleazy thief. <laughs> like the the movie has this thing where it keeps wanting to present both of them as the hero and the villain at the same time. So anytime you get like these redemption moments throughout the film, you then immediately get a scene following it where one of these two is an asshole. Well, I think my favorite thing that recurrently happens in the movie is when Danny DeVito does something illegal or just mean, and then, you know, something horrible happens to Matthew Broderick as a result, he gets mad, and then everyone in the world gets mad at him because look how sad Danny DeVito is. Yeah. That's the thing that keeps happening. Danny DeVito's like, hi, tricked you into doing something stupid and expensive. And Broderick's like, well, you're an asshole. You're an asshole. And DeVito's like, aww. You called me an asshole. And And everyone's like, how dare you? How dare you be mean to that Christmas vagabond? Look (laughs) at that weird Christmas gnome. Look at that horrible miscreant who just fucking uh, cost you $40,000 and nearly killed you. How dare you be mean to him? Don't you know it's December 22nd? (laughs) Yeah. So the uh, the big thing with Matthew Broderick in this movie is not only is he very much about the Christmas traditions for his house, but he's also very big on Christmas for the town. Like he's supposed to be the Christmas guy when we first meet him, like the mayor is putting up the town's Christmas tree and he's asking him what he thinks about what's going on with the decorations and what's going to happen with Winter Festival and whatnot. Oh, uh, by the way, he is also an ophthalmologist. That's w- that's the very first thing we learn in the movie. Yeah, he's an eye doctor and that yeah. does not matter at in, all. Until the very, very end of the film. It doesn't matter in the slightest. Well, even, even then, then it doesn't matter. Even then it's a total throwaway. But yeah, so he's an ophthalmologist. He's also like the the chairman of the town Christmas festival or something. Well, he never does anything he just for the of, festival. It's just people associate him with Christmas. Yeah. Which is weird because throughout this entire film, he never does fucking anything for the town for Christmas. Well, I mean, notably, the whole, the whole, let's just get this out of the way. The whole grand conflict in this movie is about outdoor Christmas lights. And Finch's house doesn't even have any. They're not part of his regiment. Christmas scheme. Oh, he gets some by the end, but it's like, oh, there's a day where we have to put up lights, I'm yeah. sure. Well, whatever. He he is not especially Christmassy for someone who is supposed to be associated with Christmas in the entire town. Mostly he just has fussy, stuck-up opinions about things, and that appears to be good enough. So when they're like, what do you think of the lights on this Christmas tree? He's like, oh, let's tone down some of the baubles on it. It looks trashy. And the, uh, the odd thing is for someone who's supposed to be so Christmased up, he is very, very little Christmas, like you mentioned. Yeah. But the uh, the reason that the halls get so super into putting lights up, which is going to be the main conflict here, yeah. is Danny DeVito... His daughters find like, Google Maps. Yeah, basically find the Google Earth, Yeah, and they can't see their house on Google Earth. And he gets real angry because, oh, Danny DeVito always feels like he's invisible, and no one really gives him the, the recognition he deserves. Man, I can't imagine that's true. If I ever came across a wild Danny DeVito, I'd be like, holy shit, a talking refrigerator box. <laughs> Oh my god, that weird lawn gnome is talking to me. I don't know what's happening. Who shaved Gimli? I mean, I guess we probably shouldn't spend all of our time making fun of Danny DeVito for being short and weird. He's certain he's certainly an amazing actor who is hilarious and famous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's he's great. Yeah, I love Danny DeVito. The weird thing is the movie also 
presents us with Danny DeVito as being hyper-competent at his job. Oh, yeah, he's the when, world's greatest salesman. Yeah, when he goes to work, he's now working at a car dealership in the town, and the other car guys at the dealership are like, oh, we're going to pull a prank on him where we're going to bet him he can't sell a car to this guy outside, and it turns out the guy out there is the owner of the dealership. So Danny DeVito goes out there, and of course, when he comes back in, he's like, well, I'll accept all that money on my desk by the end of the day. Goodbye. No checks. And it's like the dealer, the guy who owns the dealership comes in and he's like, I don't know what just happened. I, I bought a car for my own dealership. And I, the worst part is I paid sticker for it. And you're like, oh, wow. Danny DeVito is fucking hyper amazing at his job. It also helps you to establish the level of realism to be expected from this movie because he's like, yeah, I'll bet you each a thousand dollars I can sell that guy a car. And then they're all like, oh, man, he won. Here's a thousand dollars. You're like, why do all these guys have a thousand dollars on them? Also, I mean, I guess I understand that's how they're able to get into like the house that they have randomly and afford all the dumb bullshit that they buy is that Danny DeVito can do anything with his salesman abilities. Yeah. So he's like, oh, I make a shitload of money. It just doesn't matter because I funnel it directly into the dumbest garbage possible. Now, one more thing that I really wanted to talk about. We get a brief visit where the family goes into, or the Finches go over to visit the halls, go into their house. And we see a bunch of nude paintings of Kristen Chenoweth because she used to do some modeling. And then we get to meet the twins. Yeah, Danny DeVito and Kristen Chenoweth's twin daughters. The the Hall children. So the Hall twins, and I don't even know if we ever get their names, but they are basically 15 years old, blonde, dumb, and hot. It's, It's the worst collection of dumb stereotypes. Yeah, it's, and I mean, not just blonde, dumb, and hot as like, oh, we sort of present that. Throughout the entire movie, they're like, oh, reading makes my brain feel funny. Uh, a book? I'd rather have a boy. Yeah. Oh, god damn. And, and again, they're presented, if this isn't us saying that they're hot. This is the movie that's like, these two 15-year-olds are fucking sexy. Oh, yeah. And we get a lot of the lens of that through the 10-year-old boy who's like, just walking around this house going, going, my God, everything gives me a boner. Look at this painting of Kristen Chenoweth. Look at these hot 15-year-olds. Yeah. I'm like, movie, movie, please. Tone it down. Please don't try and sexualize these 15-year-olds please, this please. much. Yeah, especially because, I mean, there's only one other 15-year-old in the movie, and it's, you know, Alia Shawkat's character, uh, I want to say Cat or something like that. I don't know. Mandy? Something like that. Mandy. But, uh, but anyway... <laughs> it's just it's just hey we'll teach you how to be sexy and you can teach us how to brain yeah is the whole arc for all three of them from now on yeah it's oh these are gonna be my friends now yeah. and, and then we get one line of useless pointless setup for later when uh, one of the dumb twins almost knocks over her mother's prize vase oh i need to find a place for this because this vase costs more than like the whole house yeah just that's there i, I they probably went back and, and added it to the movie later because they really needed a scene where they explained that the vase was important yeah so uh so okay that's that's our visit into their their house which is also immediately decorated like your grandparents house uh, looks now like the moment they move in they're like all right let's get this carpet nice and dark yellow oh yeah the whole house is like that dark wood paneling yeah. on the the uh all the like carpet is dark and the the drapes are all sort of that like green and... yeah they're kind of that cigarette smoke color it's like it's like they moved into a house and the, all they did was like rearrange the piles of old new newspapers and radios that don't work yeah just like, there we'll just live here we'll live in this weird hoarder squatter squat yeah it, it very much looks like this place was decorated in the 70s and then that was good enough yeah and then someone just left some lit cigarettes in here for the past 30 40 years yep so that's it's it's like why did you move into this place it's gross <laughs> yeah 
It is a uh, it's a weird house, and I love it. Everything's great yeah. about it. So okay, the daughters show Danny DeVito Google Earth, and they're like, "Look, you can't see our house." And he's like, "I know. I'll put so many Christmas lights on the house, you can see it from space. I will." Yeah, that's his big plan for this movie: is so many lights on the house, you can see the house from space. That's it. That's, that's the, all he wants. That's the big plan. Meanwhile, Finch's big plan is normal Christmas every day of all December forever. And by God, nobody better put up any big Christmas light displays near me. Yeah, for someone who's supposed to be the character that's like, yo, Christmas is my thing. As soon as Danny DeVito gets even remotely into Christmas, like before he goes overboard in the lights and nonsense. Right. Like already Broderick is going, oh, this this guy's putting up lights. And I'm like, dude, you're supposed to be the Christmas guy. It's weird because he feels like his turf's being impeded on because he's like he has a conversation with with devito at one point where devito's like yeah i'm putting up some christmas lights so i can be seen from space it's my dreams it is and then broderick's like "Uh uh-huh that's great hey i'm the christmas guy look this town has has someone for basically every holiday and you i'm the christmas dude why don't you be uh halloween and i'm like wait you telling me that there's a guy for every holiday and no one took halloween yet yeah i would fight like fucking like a banshee to get halloween yeah i would fight a literal banshee i would kill a banshee again to get halloween as the holiday that i am the guy for (laughs) and you're telling me everyone in this fucking upscale massachusetts shit pile doesn't want halloween yeah no one here was like oh yeah halloween that's the thing i want to be in charge well i'll take arbor day but lord save me from that awful halloween yeah i don't want to be in charge of that that's weird the hell but devito's like no man i need to have, i can't be my house won't be seen from space with halloween crap all over it yeah it's gotta, it's gotta be christmas so uh, so basically he tries to or devito is trying to do christmas not because of any interest in finch or winning or anything he just wants his house to be seen from space now the the weird thing for me is so much of the shit devito is going to do after this has nothing to do with his house being seen from space yeah this is a real problem like immediately the dumbest scene we get to start with uh is the he gets like a sleigh like an actual four reels sleigh yeah you know like an old-timey 1800s pulled by reindeer style sleigh and he gets two horses duct tapes antlers to their head and sticks this whole thing this whole fucking nightmare show in his yard how is that helping him with his lumens yeah he's like oh i want to be seen from space what will help with that is this horse-drawn sleigh Uh, are you gonna put lights all over it oh no no it's just to be there like he does this throughout the movie and i keep going dude if you want to be seen from space just get those fucking like giant ridiculous floodlights that shoot straight up get some halogens and shit up in your lawn get strobe lights and things get that done but the more you cover your lawn with wise men and candles and and rotating santas the less space you have to pack in them lumens yeah but anyway he gets this thing and uh it is annoying broderick because they're trying to take the christmas photo and oh god the christmas and he keeps saying christmas photo as if everyone knows what that is look we're trying to take our christmas photo like everyone knows what the christmas photo is but it's a tradition where they all wear dumb sweaters and take a picture together which okay sure that's fine that's fine but of course because this is one of those slapstick christmas movies he can't just go outside and get in the car and drive to sears and get this shit done or when it's like look fucking danny devito bought a goddamn sleigh he can't be like great everyone sit down for two seconds we're gonna take a picture and then we'll go check out this sleigh they have to immediately run outside and then uh danny's like hey why don't you take your picture in the sleigh i think that's actually a line they gave to Kristen chenoweth just to give her something to fucking do <laughs> she was like she's like oh i got an idea you can take your picture in the sleigh and and, and uh you know broderick's like no i am not about this i do not want to get in the-. and of course the 
the sun jumps in, you can already tell where this is going, dear listeners. They jump in the sleigh, and then as soon as the sun gets out of the sleigh, the horses, which Danny DeVito, this is my favorite line in the fucking movie, Danny DeVito goes, by the way, you should be careful around them horses. They're real skittish. I found them on the edge of town. What? Explain this to me. All I want is this to be the movie from this point forward. I want this movie to be called Danny Hall Found Some Horses. Also, you found skittish horses and were able to duct tape fucking antlers to them that's that's not skittish and and connect them correctly to a sleigh yeah no these aren't skittish horses these are the most docile fucking horses ever you found someone's drug horse (laughs) how did he find i mean when he says i found horses on the edge of town he means i stole some horses right yeah i have to imagine that means i went to a ranch on the edge of town and stole a couple of their horses i rustled these horses is what i'm trying to tell you matthew broderick now i am a horse thief and deserve a hanging <laughs> of course broderick has to try and get his family out of the sleigh because that's not part of his tradition but everyone else gets out and it's just him in there and that's when the horses take off yep and so we get matthew broderick in a santa costume in a horse sleigh being pulled all over friggin tiny town massachusetts and slamming into walls and nearly hitting Fred Armisen, who's in this movie for some reason. <laughs> for some reason, Fred Armisen is here doing an accent because he is Fred Armisen. Yeah, I think I feel like Fred Armisen don't do no movie unless he can do a dumb accent he's not that good at. He's like, look, I'm going to do the world's shittiest German accent in your movie. And they're like, could you could you not? not? We, we didn't hire you for that. We hired you because you were on Saturday Night Live or something. Could you just could you just could you just be Fred Armisen for, Fred, for like a second? Yeah, Fred Armisen does a dumb German accent though. Uh, uh, fine, fine. Uh, great, whatever. Yeah, so he's in the movie as a german jogger who pops up from time to time yeah the, the only other cameos in this thing that of note are jorge garcia who you'd remember is hurley from lost yeah he's he's some guy in town he's excited about christmas a lot and uh i can't remember his fucking name but the guy who was the second lead in the uh 1990s movie tomcats the the, co- the college comedy you know the guy i'm talking about john he's one of the car dealer people he has a face like a, he has a smile like an ewok yeah he has, literally has if you'll know him when you see him you're like oh that fucking guy that guy he's in every shitty bro comedy he's got an he's got an ewok smile because he can't smile without his teeth popping up in the exact center yeah he's he's really got that uh that that problem with the the teeth going on where he's like man you smile and it looks like you got fake 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 teeth it looks like he's doing a regular smile and someone put a sticker with a picture of some teeth in the middle of it He looks like one of those old cartoons where they superimpose the mouth on top of a cartoon. Yeah, he's the living, breathing Clutch Cargo. You, you got it in one. <laughs> clutch Cargo, by the way, the oldest reference we'll ever do on the show. Uh, so, oh, yeah. That said, we did do a bunch of uh, Lewis Carroll at the beginning of this. <laughs> anyway, um, so... He goes through town, and then eventually the slave like, goes on the frozen river, breaks... And he goes under the ice. The, the, the sleigh breaks specifically so that he doesn't drag horses to their death. Oh, yeah. The the sleigh, the horses fly off. Yeah. Or, like, or the, disconnect. Yeah. And the sleigh goes off on its own. Yeah. And then he falls into a frozen river in a sleigh in a Santa costume and, you know, dies. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> and then uh, credits roll. Credits roll. Fred Armisen finishes off the movie is, with his interesting story. The story of why does this guy's German accent so bad starts playing. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, Hello, no, he, I have the worst German accent. No, he falls down into the uh, into the lake, and then Werner Herzog comes on and narrates the the <laughs> end credits again. Once again, nature has killed a man. We see nature has given the man his final resting place. Conspiring between the horses and the frozen water of the lake, <laughs> here man finds his true end in frozen, and now he will be forever perfect and yet forever dead. <laughs> <laughs> it is true, as they have said since the days of the Gasco Caves, Danny DeVito will kill us all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I have met Danny DeVito on the set of one of my films. <laughs> I, saw, I saw him eat a penguin. In his eyes, I saw true nothingness, like the eyes of an ant. <laughs> So, all right. So instead, what actually happens is uh, Broderick wakes up and he's naked and in the backseat of his own car and he's in a sleeping bag with Danny DeVito, who is also naked because it was the only way to warm him up in time. Uh, you know, no, he's dead. Like the, <laughs> he is far enough away from them and they have no idea where he is that I don't think the possibility of saving him existed, but whatever. It's a Christmas miracle. It's a Christmas miracle. It's he a, gets saved. It's a dumb idiot Christmas miracle that Danny DeVito buys a $5,000 wooden sleigh, straps stolen horses to it, and immediately loses it in the town lake. <laughs> and doesn't care. Also, it's back later in the film, which means he had the, he has the damn thing dredged from the lake. Yeah, well, they gotta break up the ice, get down there, dredge the thing out, fix it. Yeah, and then put it back on his lawn. Or that, or he just bought a new he sleigh. buys another sleigh. Who gives a fuck? So, uh. so uh, yeah, he has to go to the hospital with naked Danny DeVito. And, of course, all this prompts him to do is go, ah, you know, like he just sort well, of yells, and that's the end of the scene. Yeah, now, normally, the, oh, I woke up naked next to Danny DeVito, of course, your, your standard reaction is going to be to yell in horror. Yeah. But this sets up a precedent for Matthew Broderick's character, which is that he is, uh... He's not the greatest because at some point he's going to make a complaint to the police. Oh, yeah. And that's so basically at a certain point, the escalation in their battle leads Danny DeVito to put giant speakers on his lawn that are constantly blasting Christmas music as well as Danny DeVito's record pre-recorded DJ segments. Yeah, it's tons of lights, tons of those stupid decorations that are like always moving and mm -hmm. like waving. And then he's got all of his music that is playing. Now, at a certain point, all the noise prompts Matthew Broderick to think to himself, oh, good. Now I can at least get him on a noise complaint. And so he goes to the local police. He goes to see them in person. Now, he has been told earlier, early, early in the film by the mayor who says, I'm not much of a gossip and I can keep excellent secrets, Matthew Broderick. But for example, I know a secret that the police chief is a cross-dresser. And I've never told anyone until now. Yes. So he goes and he speaks to the police chief. And the police chief has a strap peeking out from under his police uniform. He's also grumpy because he doesn't want to take a noise complaint. He's like, you sure you want to make a noise complaint? It's Christmas. And first of all, he's like, no, it's not Christmas. It's December 15th. Yeah. I mean, first of all, one, fuck you, do your job. And, uh... Two, I don't care if you're grumpy. I'm making a complaint. It's a real noise complaint. There are actual laws about noise. So, and, and the other thing is, it's also a uh, a light complaint as well because yes. it's look, it is actual for reals light pollution. You can't do this. Yeah, you you have to go get this guy to tone down. Call me a, a, a Scrooge or whatever, but he is breaking the law. Yeah. 
So anyway, he, he goes to see the police chief, and there's a strap peeking out from under his, his police shirt. And he goes, Matthew Broderick says, are you are you wearing a, a bra? And the man goes, no, this is a brace my wife made for me because I, I dislocated my shoulder. What, what do you, that would, how ridiculous are you? And Broderick's like, you're right. Oh, that, okay. okay. All right. That, I feel much better now knowing that you're not wearing a bra. Now, at this point, the police chief, I'll take the police chief here and you can have Broderick because you can get the good part. The police chief goes, well, fine. I guess if you're going to be a real Christmas asshole, you, I'll go get a noise complaint. They're in a, one of the files back behind me. All right, here I go. I'm going to walk over that way. I got to bend over real low and stay there that way for a long time so i can find this noise complaint oh no my big pink thong is poking out and broderick runs away scared like weasley just got caught by snape yep like he i don't know what okay so in all of these movies and every shitty christmas dad christmas there's a scene where someone very obviously is breaking the law a whole lot and you need a big contrivance for why the cops don't get involved so for example in uh in christmas, christmas with, with the, the cranks, cranks yeah the, the the what happens is the cops are too dumb and also too good of friends well, they, they tried to sell them a calendar, yes. and because the cranks didn't buy it, they're like, well, maybe we would have helped you out if you had bought a calendar. And I'm like, you're fucking police officers. And there's not just two police officers in town. Go above their heads. Yeah. But in every movie, there's a dumb shit reason why the cops aren't involved, even though they very clearly should be. In this movie, the reason is because Matthew Broderick is too afraid of a man in women's underwear to talk to him. Yeah, it's... He runs away without filling out this complaint because he sees a thong on a police officer and it makes him so scared that he like runs away with his arms a flailing, wiggling his fingers like, Ooh. he runs away like C-3PO would run towards a police officer in a thong. Oh my, oh, 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 oh goodness, oh, oh goodness, I have several interest- interesting volumes on human love poetry. <laughs> like it is... It's one of the scenes in there where I go, I understand that just like a horror movie has to give you some reason why people don't have cell phones anymore, Mm -hmm. that you still have to do this, but please pick something else aside from Matthew Broderick is a terrible person. Yeah, I mean, this is literally Matthew Broderick is afraid of women's underwear. Yeah. Is the the reason why the cops aren't in this film. Yeah, he's so terrified of the idea of someone cross-dressing that he is willing to let his family suffer for it. What is this? The, uh... (laughs) What a horror... Horrible scene. Yeah. God. The 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 only good thing is that the police chief straight up gets a redemption towards the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. fucking Broderick at one point is like, I've had enough. I'm going to shoot fireworks at Danny DeVito's house. What the fuck was that? Like, okay, I understand if he was like, I'm going to set fireworks off because his lights are annoying me, so I'm going to set fireworks off to annoy him. Yeah. But it's not I'm setting fireworks off. It's I am literally shooting fireworks at this guy's house. Yeah, and and it's not to try and set his house on fire. His stated intent is to give DeVito a heart attack. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm going to scare him so bad he has a heart attack. I'm like, okay, one, yes, you are definitely trying to set this guy's house on fire. Two, even if you are actually honest about wanting to do this to, like, scare Danny DeVito, you're saying you are attempting murder, and you are doing this because you are too scared to talk to someone in women's underwear. Yes. Well, anyway, he goofs up because it's a Christmas Dad movie, and he's on a roof, which is the, you know, the hell of Christmas Dads. Oh, yeah. If you're a Christmas Dad and you get on a roof, you better be prepared for bullshit slapstick surround that house with trampolines (laughs) anyway he drops a giant rocket down his own chimney and it goes flying around in his house and sets his christmas tree on fire and blows a hole out the wall oh yeah the 
I mean, there's a ton of dumb shit in this that, I mean, I don't even think we can get into, but it's weird things where there will be scenes where it's like, uh, he has a his own Christmas tree lot. Yeah, that was weird. He has his own fenced off Christmas tree lot in the middle of the town Christmas tree lot. Yeah, where he grows his own personal Christmas trees and he's going to chop one down and DeVito accidentally knocked over a gas can. So when Broderick like hits the axe against one of the poles holding up the tree it sparks and sends flames and it burns down all of his trees oh no now in this one this was fairly early ish in the movie mm-hmm. so at this point i'm still thinking oh the the whole thing with danny devito's character is it's gonna seem like he's trying to sabotage stuff but he's just sort of a schlub and he didn't mean to do anything and eventually broderick will get over it but then later in the movie danny devito straight up forges matthew broderick's character's name on a document to give him a car yes and he's like hey i know your car got destroyed because because you try you foolishly tried to drive it when it was completely surrounded by cars that were in the neighborhood to look at my house yeah because that's what happens that he puts up some fancy light display again uh, a whole bunch of neighbors come to see and they they box in broderick's car who gets so mad that he tries to drive it out anyway and tears his own doors off yeah so broderick's an idiot tears his own doors off and then then uh you know devito responds because it's because he heard about something i think it was that he heard about the explosion the the house burning well no it's because of the the christmas tree lot burned down he's like i got you a christmas tree and a car here's a brand new car i won't take no for an answer and it's a gift from me to you turns out it's not a gift he forged broderick's signature and sold broderick a car which he also took commission on yeah he's like look you got to pay for this car by the end of the day or we're gonna like put you in jail and uh my gift portion was i took a small hit on my commission for it you're like danny devito you're a criminal that's fraud that's that is straight up you are going to jail fraud i would go to the police if they didn't have women's underwear but broderick then goes oh well i'll go to my lawyer because at least i know my lawyer is a straight man who doesn't wear any women's underwear and uh danny devito calls him a wimp for trying to do this yeah he basically just uses the chicken defense he's like oh you're gonna go to a lawyer you gotta hide behind a lawyer instead of settling this like a man and then when broderick's like fine I will fight you outside right now. I will fucking throw bows at you. Yeah. DeVito's like, oh, no, I just meant we should do ice skating. Yeah, we'll have an ice skate down the town square. Apparently, the Winter Festival has a speed skating event, and Danny DeVito is going to challenge Matthew Broderick to speed skating for a car. The fact that Matthew Broderick is like, okay, here's the deal. If I win, you take down the lights, and if you win, I'll pay for the car, whereas I'm sitting there going, or I go to a lawyer, and you go to jail, and I have the police take down your lights, and I win everything. Fuck you, Danny DeVito. Yeah, but then I wouldn't be manly, which apparently is a thing I was worried about. Oh my god, this Winter Festival is ridiculous. Oh, There's we gotta a... talk about the Winter Festival scene with the... With yes. The, yeah, okay. The reason we're getting to the Winter Festival yeah. is specifically for... There is a moment where... where Kristen Davis and... Christ, uh, and uh, Kristen Chenoweth. Kristen Chenoweth are like, you two need to work out your differences. God damn it, we're friends. We've started talking about cookbooks quietly in the background. So, <laughs> you don't know it, but we've got some sort of B-plot going on that doesn't matter. There's a whole subplot happening back there, but in the meantime, you two are going to talk it out until you find out something you have in common. 
common. God damn it. And then they leave the two of them alone in the Christmas pageant festival. At which point, <laughs> the the announcer says, Welcome to the stage, the Santa Babies. So, okay, we got three women uh, dressed in, you know, Santa-style miniskirt combos. Yeah, the, that sexy nets. Santa combo. Yeah, they, they, got, they got sexy Santa, they got the fishnets, and they got their underwear showing, and they're not facing towards the crowd, so a lot of butt work. And they sing in Santa Baby, the most wor- the worst Christmas song there is. <laughs> and uh, so, of course, this prompts the two of them to be like, eh, yeah, you, oh, Steve, we don't see eye to eye on everything, but we can see eye to eye on that. Look at them girls. Look at them dancing girls. A little something for daddy. Oh, speaking of which, says Matthew Broderick, before yelling, who's your daddy, over and over and over and over again, as if it was his catchphrase. He just keeps getting louder. He's out there going, who's your daddy, in his crappy, tiny little baby man Matthew Broderick voice. Oh, who, who is your daddy, he says. Who indeed, who indeed may be your daddy? <laughs> uh, <Eve. laughs> you, you've gone away too far. You've, you've become the funky phantom. Oh. <laughs> Who's your daddy, even? Oh, oh daddy, stage right, even. <laughs> oh, heavens to Murgatroyd, look at those posteriors. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, of course, <laughs> as if it wasn't predictable, uh, the three women turn around, and they're the three women you forgot were in this movie. Their daughters. And uh, that prompts Danny DeVito and Matthew Broderick to wash their eyes out with holy water in the local church. Yeah, they're taking turns, taking big dips into the holy water fountain, throwing it into their faces like jack-offs. Yeah, I... I have to imagine that the priest that is at this church is like, what the fuck are you two idiots doing? Oh, sorry. We got to boil some pasta after this, too. Can we take some of this? <laughs> you mind? I know this is your baptismal font, but uh, can I just take a dump in that? <laughs> hey, I, uh, I went ahead and put my baby in this. He's going to shit in there. That's how he does it. That's how we do. Anyway, you got any uh, more of that sacrificial wine? Hey, bring some more of them sacrificial wine and holy it's, water it's out here. Sacramental, not sacrificial. It's, Jesus no, Christ. It's definitely sacrificial wine. Sacrificial wine. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we kill this wine for God. <laughs> you got to stab the side and shotgun it for, for Jesus. <laughs> shotgun wine for Jesus. Uh, they're just being jerk-offs. Like, that's not a nice thing to do to the local priest's holy water. Go it. It's your fucking fault you decided to hoot and holler at people who turned out to be your kids. Yeah. Maybe you could have been like the rest of the crowd and not yelling hoots as loud as you could. Yeah, the rest of the crowd is just, like, standing there silently watching this display. Well, of course they're standing there silently. It's a slow rock version of Santa Baby, which was already the worst Christmas song. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the... <laughs> Fucking, of course, all of this means that the the two families have had enough. Both of the Christians are done with their respective husbands' bullshit. Yes, and so all the families move out, leaving Broderick and uh, and DeVito alone in their big empty Christmas houses, where they both just immediately cave. And they're just like, oh, we're both sad. Oh, but before this, we get the one scene of the Christmas cookbook discussion. Oh, yeah. Where Kristen Davis and Kristen Chenoweth are sitting at a, ta- a table, and Kristen Chenoweth goes, you know what? I think you could write a cookbook if you wanted and she's like yeah Kristen davis says i could write a cookbook and you know what i'll write a cookbook for real moms who have to cook for real kids that's something everyone needs no one's ever done that yeah no that's that's not literally every cookbook that isn't a coffee table book about meals you'll never prepare yeah literally every book that isn't by julia child is for real moms yeah it's always like oh here's how you here's how you microwave a bowl of pizza <laughs> oh cut up hot dogs in your oatmeal yeah the 
the uh, the fact that she's going to do this is great. Whatever, it, but the best part it has is the no Christ- bearing. The but best Kristen part- Chenoweth is going to help her out, and she has an idea for what it should be called. Yeah, she says, "I know exactly what you could call it: Food Food, the Guide to Real Mom's Cooking." Yep, that's it. I had a meme for what my name would be, and I got Food Food. What the fuck? I don't understand. It's like when she's like Food Food, and and Kristen Davis is like, "Yeah, Food Food," because that's like that thing that happened earlier in the movie that got cut apparently. Oh, food, food. What? What? Why is there even a subdivided food, food? (laughs) Damn it, food, food. (laughs) You you always fuck everything up, food, food. Food, food's just over there keeping his head under his paws. Oh, Oh, gosh. (laughs) Damn it, food, food. So, okay. Yeah. Food, food Food brought a casserole, but it's just cheese and a hot dog sticking out of it. Hey, that's perfect for real moms. Real moms and real food. Yes. God damn it. So that subplot terminates. There's also a scene before they move out where the little boy helps helps Matthew Broderick try to uh, sabotage. Here's a, here's a fun thing. Uh, uh, Danny DeVito has been managing all the way through the movie to steal Matthew Broderick's power. Yeah, he like has a bunch of extension cables that he has run over to Matthew Broderick's house because he doesn't have enough power to run all of these dumb lights. And he covers it all with snow so that Matthew Broderick never finds out all of his power is being stolen. Well, at a certain point, Broderick decides to put on a spy costume and sneak over there and unplug the lights. Yep. And the, and the little son gets involved, but he loses interest right away because while he's on a pole, he can see the hot twins having a pillow fight. Uh, fuck you, movie! And then, you know, that's that leads to one of my other favorite lines in the movie, where, where uh, the little boy gets stuck up on the telephone pole, and Danny DeVito is like, is that your son on that telephone pole? And they're like, yeah, we're going to have him looked at later. Yeah... Good, great, thanks. You're gonna have him look at what? What do you? What? What are? What are any of these lines? What are you even talking about? <laughs> and then, of course, they have their big ice skating event where uh, Matthew Broderick loses uh, at the last minute because he gets tripped by the mayor or something. Yeah. So he falls down, and Devito, who is a terrible skater, manages to skate in and win. Uh, and he's like, "I win! You got to pay for the car! Yay! I win! I win!" And, and and Broderick's like, "Well, even if I do pay for the car, your house is still fucking invisible. How's it feel like to be nothing?" Yeah, and, and then everyone is like, "Fuck you, Broderick! Aww. How dare you? How you? How dare you be mean to that man who just fraudulently sold you a car and has been polluting the entire town? How how dare you be mad at a person who is aggressively awful and has committed like ridiculous amounts of crimes against you? Imagine if just the the Mr. Grinch movie was a shitty dad Christmas movie, and they'd be like, "How dare you get mad at Mr. Grinch, even though he stole all the town's presents? Look, Don't you shr- know he's sad? Look, he's shrinking away from you because you're threatening to strike him." Oh, <laughs> don't be mean to Mr. Grinch. Uh, the uh, the whole thing is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it's just anyway, all the family leaves and they, they go to a hotel room where they're decorating a little palm tree in a hotel room. And we get a wrap up for the storyline for Alia Shawcat and the twins, because it turns out she's taught the twins to read Emily Dickinson. Oh, I can read this. And it doesn't even hurt my brain. And that's the full extent of their story, and we're done. Good. I, There's I no the... resolution for the part where they have to deal with the fact that their dads were actively hooting at their butts. <laughs> nope. There is nothing that has to do with that. Nope. 
Uh, the the way that the two of them are going to get their respective families back, though, is DeVito takes down all of his lights. Yeah, he's and got- creates a light tunnel from their hotel room to the DeVito household. Now, this is Christmas Eve when this is happening. It's the middle of the night on Christmas Eve, and he goes outside with Matthew Broderick's help because the two have decided to bury the hatchet because they're lonely on Christmas. Yeah, they want their families back. They want their families back. So they build a giant trap maze tunnel of lights from the hotel room all the way back to uh, uh, Broderick's house. Uh, now, this must take fucking forever, and it's insane to think about how they're managing to turn all these lights on. Yeah, well, it's like miles yes. of this, because they have to create like a pathway of lights uh, which that go look- from a motel to a front door. And let's point out that it goes right down the middle of town. Yeah, when, they, when they're when they walking through this uh, little uh, path of lights, we do see them go through downtown. They're in both lanes of traffic. This thing is in the exact center of the road. Yeah, and of course... You know, this doesn't stop anyone from doing anything. It it also really begs the question of how is it all standing up? Did they literally drill a bunch of holes to get all these poles and stuff to stay where they are? They're in the street. Where is the power for this coming from? How is any of this working? What what is happening right now? Why are the people... uh, And then also, it completely works. And both families get bundled up so they can go walk down this light maze out of stuff that is... And they're they're all confused. They're like, what is this? It's a Christmas path. It's some kind of path of lights. Well, it's clearly made out of all the shit that was all over your dad's house. I mean, it's real obvious. Look, there's that Santa from his front lawn. There's half that camel he had in his lawn for a while. I don't know why he still he cut that up. That's <laughs> well, not that's not glowing. Yeah, I gotta I gotta mention that. Like I said with the sleigh earlier, there is a point where he gets a full nativity scene mm-hmm. and a real camel for no reason. Oh, it's so it can spit on Matthew Broderick. <laughs> it's so he can shit on Matthew. It doesn't Broderick. shit on him though. It just oh, it, it shits on him. It just spits at him. It spits g- gross tobacco green ooze at him. And also, he hires a bunch of wise men to just stand around in his yard. 24 hours a day. Yeah, I... I don't... This is not increasing your lumens. Maybe if they're all on their cell phones all the time. I mean, the the other thing is, we, we get points where the reason Chenoweth leaves is because DeVito hawks the vase to pay for all this Yeah, he shit. keeps buying more lights. And, it, okay, we understand that he has a money problem then when it comes to paying for all this dumb shit, but he's still buying stuff like a camel and Wiseman instead of stuff that will actually help him. Yes, it's insane. The money in this movie makes no fucking sense, and it never does in Christmas Dad movies. Well, yeah, because at the end, when they follow the path of lights back to the house, DeVito's like, eh, I got your vase back. Here's Here your it vase. is. We can never use our credit cards again. Because apparently my credit card has a $300,000 limit. Yeah. So he gets the vase back, and, and they didn't have time to cook a real Christmas dinner. So instead, they cooked the horrible food from Kristen Davis's cookbook. Yeah. Oh, look. Look at all these d- dishes on the on the table. Oh, fiesta this is, corn. This is food food. It's food food. Look at that. It's a plate of mashed potatoes potatoes with meatballs randomly stuck throughout oh look someone made a yam and they they made it look like a reindeer head yeah there was a gourd that was decorated as a reindeer head in the center of the table as if it was food yeah and then the um, i gotta say meatballs in mashed potatoes is not something you make (laughs) at first that is a leftovers dish yeah it is like a giant thing of mashed potatoes and then a ring of meatballs in it and i'm like who 
makes that. That's not fast. You can't make that quickly. You have to make mashed potatoes, and then you also have to make meatballs, and then you have to combine them. It'd be much faster to just make something that doesn't have mashed potatoes in it. No, I mean, you can make mashed potatoes and meatballs as a thing, but putting it all in one, like, casserole dish, I go, it's there's leftover. no reason to do that. This is leftovers. This is how you make, you got a bunch of leftover mashed potatoes and some ground beef? Make some meatball mashed potatoes, whatever. That's what this is. Yeah, but the fact that it's in the the dish, I'm like, no one's cooking the meatballs with the mashed potatoes. Yeah. You aren't going to cook mashed potatoes in a fucking casserole dish to begin with. Well, yeah, what is how, happening here? That's how I make shepherd's pie, to be fair. Yeah, to, but to be fair. That's that shepherd's pie, not just mashed potatoes. I'm not making mashed potatoes in a dish by itself. Well, anyway, the, the, the folks make their way back through this stupid tunnel of lights. And they get to the house, and Broderick and, and uh, goddamn Devito are just standing there fighting because they're like, "I'm better at cooking than you. Your fiesta corn is very unpleasant." That kind of thing. They're bickering, and then the families come in, and they're both just like, "Hi, uh, we didn't have time to make a real turkey, so we made stuff from your cookbook." They never go like, "We're sorry, we went all crazy about fucking Christmas in each of our own dumb ways." They're just like, "Here's some food," and, and as you can see, we spent a lot of time making an extremely inconvenient to everyone in town trail down the middle of the street. Uh, so can we have sex now? And they're like, they're all like, "Yay, we love you, family. Everyone together." Oh, but but now you'll never achieve your dream of having your house seen from space. And MTV is coming by. Yeah. Also, we keep checking in with a British weather station that can tell whether or not his house is visible from no, space. No, it's it's the the people who run the Google Earth equivalent okay. of the movie. It's Cal Penn. Yeah, Cal Penn is there for like for five seconds at a time. Like, hi, I'm British, and I'm running the Google Earth equivalent of this movie. Yeah, Cal Penn's in this movie less than Hurley. Yep. From, it's just, what are you doing here, Cal Penn? Uh, the house cannot be seen from space. Okay, thank you, Cal Penn. All right, goodbye. All right, let's check in with Cal Penn. Oh, uh, my mother just brought us a tin of crisps, and his house can be seen from space. Yay. The end. That's I'll all. have a spot of tea. That's the full extent of Cal Penn in this movie. Yeah. I, it's just, I, I, what happened there? But anyway, it turns out that because Matthew Broderick is such a good ophthalmologist, he is owed a favor from everyone in town. So what he does is, at midnight, on Christmas Eve, he makes all of them take down their own Christmas lights and bring them over to Danny DeVito's house and pile them all over Danny DeVito's house such that his house can be seen from space. Yeah, and uh, there's a point where they try and turn it on, it doesn't go on, so everyone has to sing Oh Holy Night instead. Yeah, mostly that's just because someone remembered that Kristen Chenoweth is in this fucking thing. They were like, oh shit, that's right, we hired you, we haven't given you anything to do, but especially not a song yet, so uh, here, you can you can go diva up Oh Holy Night so, for a second. So she goes over and does what Kristen Chenoweth was brought to this earth for, which is to be an angel and sing Oh Holy Night, but it doesn't make any sense, because in this movie there's never been a point where they're like, by the way, my wife's the greatest singer in the history of broadway anyway uh that's a thing she does nope never mentioned and it doesn't matter to the plot because as soon as she's done doing the oh holy night the 10 year old boy's like oh the problem was you just didn't plug it in all the way so he plugs it in giant super lights fire to the to, to the space and the house is now visible from space and all of the people at the weather center get blinded by their computers <laughs> and then uh, matthew broderick's like yay i love christmas how about instead of traditions we just have fun and then Danny DeVito's like, I like this town. I think I'll stays what's in it, what's what. Oh, I, I think I uh, finally found a place I could be content at. And then the end. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, we didn't really get to the, the part I really wanted to mention, which was that when Matthew Broderick accidentally burns down part of his house, the underwear-wearing police chief makes his way back into the movie, where he straight up insults Broderick, and he's like, this kind of looks like you did this to your own fucking house like an idiot, you dipshit. You're really putting a twist in my panties. And then he stomps off, and I was like, fuck yeah, buddy. You own that piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because the whole point was panties in a twist is a saying, and then Broderick gets to go, oh, he mentioned panties. Well, he doesn't say panties in a twist. He specifically says, you're becoming a real knot in my panties, buddy. A real knot in my panties. And I was like, ah, he knows. And he knows that's why Broderick left. <laughs> He's like, oh, another fucking creepo who's terrified of my whale tail, huh? Well, I'll show him later. Uh, that's uh, this is my mental headcanon. Don't take this away from me. No, I'm taking it away from no. You. The police this is like this is like when you ruined the uh, saving Christmas for me. No, <laughs> this that whole point of it is to say no. It's just there to make Broderick uh, uncomfortable again. No, because saying that a man might wear panties is the most horrific thing possible. No, this is this is still Broderick being uncomfortable. But what I'm doing is giving some agency to the police chief. He knows what a piece of shit Broderick is, and he's rubbing it in his fucking face. <laughs> this is his Julia Roberts, you messed up big time moment. <laughs> No, you can't take it away. It's 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 firm. It's up here, John. It's up here. Uh, let the listeners know I'm pointing at my head. <laughs> it's up here. Let them know that what I'm I pointing at my my trophy. Please, please though, please for for my own edification. How could I be the one who ruined saving Christmas for you? <laughs> Saving Christmas is unrepentant shit. It is a giant pile. There was some point where you liked it until I did something. Please elucidate. <laughs> No, it was where I was saying that I think the gay guy in there is straight up gay and is fine with it. And then you were like, no, he's repressed gay. And if you think otherwise, then you're a bad person. I'm right. <laughs> I'll, I'll, take, I'll, I'll go ahead and stay on that hill then. Yeah. No, let the lightning come because that dude does not know he's gay. He thinks he's just super Christian-y. <laughs> he just thinks he's Christian-y. Yeah, we're both talking about the dude who won't stop with the Christian f- phrases in the middle of that movie. Yes. Where you're just like, he's just like, hey man, Jesus is the reason and the season for pleasing is power and the power is the lord the lord is within us and oh my god and i can't believe what they're doing with crazy shirt friday and you're like dude please say a human word please <laughs> please, please for the love of god connect me as one man to another <laughs> for 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 the love of god please just just say words to me that aren't some weird nonsense ah i'll tell you what's some weird nonsense not believe in jesus because jesus is the man and the man is the power and the power is the light and the light is the way my friend also i'd like to suck a dick <laughs> yep just just straight up would love that for christmas if you could if if you could just set up an entire panoply of dicks for christmas me, dicks if you could just set it up so it looks like the skyline of a new dick jerusalem <laughs> <laughs> the skyline of a new dick jerusalem <laughs> well there you go that's that's all i want for christmas the skyline of a new dick jerusalem oh man please go back and listen to our saving christmas <laughs> review i've done it every christmas actually since we reviewed it which i think is two now uh, and it is i'm so mad still it's still just the worst <laughs> so anyway this one's over though deck the halls we had a couple of shitty dads let me uh we're gonna get to our best and worst but i want to say as far as shitty dads go how do you rate these shitty dads? Okay, uh, so let's see. I, I'm not really sure how I'm going to work for my scale on this. Uh, uh, shittiest dads are going to have to be people like Mr. Po- Mr. Popper of the Mr. Popper's Penguins movie or Arnold from... Uh, from, uh, from Hey G- Arnold. From Hey Arnold. Yeah, the famous <laughs> Arnold from Hey Arnold. They never really mention his kids. Yeah. But <laughs> but he's a real fucking dirtbag. He owes so much hey, back Hey Arnold, then. says some woman waving an alimony check. <laughs> hey Arnold, your kids are hungry. <laughs> hey Arnold, there's a restraining order you can't be in that alleyway <laughs> no um all right so 
I mean, they're both pretty shitty dads because they managed to go who, get. S- who wins shittiest dad in this? Oh, is the, it Broderick or Devito? It's Devito went, is better to his daughters throughout the course of this movie than Broderick is to his kids. However, Devito straight up bankrupts his family so he can be seen from space. I'm going to have to give him shittiest dad. There you go. I'm not, I mean, I would also give him shittiest person because of all the fraud and crime. Yeah, I feel like, There's, but those are two different ratings. Yeah, as far as like to his family goes, I think Devito is a better dad. He certainly. There's no point where he has anything but lovely things to say about his kids. No, he loves his kids. He loves his wife. Yeah. It's like he's super into them. I'd say he's a better dad, but he is a way shittier person. Yes. So we're going to give Broderick the worst dad, better person award. Yeah. Uh, Which the only reason really we're giving Broderick worst dad is because he literally forgets what his son's problem is. Yeah. He doesn't care about anything. Also because he spends, oh gosh, five minutes repeatedly yelling, who's your daddy into uh, maybe Blue's ass. Just like my fanfic. <laughs> so so that's a problem. Uh, so yeah, what, what we're saying is in the great pantheon of shitty dads, I don't know, we need a rating scale for shitty dadness. I don't know, man. So we'll say number one, the best possible Christmas dad is the dad from uh, A Christmas Story, who do- never does anything wrong all the way through the movie, is a good dad, gives his kids presents, and is just sort of obsessed with eating turkey in the background. Yeah, he's just, so, he's just a good, solid dad. Yeah, so he's going to be the best Christmas dad. The worst Christmas dad is, uh, let's say, Tim Allen, Santa Claus. <laughs> so bad that he has to become Christmas. He has to literally become Christmas in order to atone for how shitty of a daddy is. Yeah. So uh, let's say on a, on a scale from uh, from the dad from Christmas Story to Tim Allen, where are these guys? Let's, we'll set them as one in ten. <laughs> on a scale of one to Tim Allen, yeah, how one are to these Tim guys? Allen. <laughs> They're about an Arnold. <laughs> Uh, so let's let's do <laughs> best our best and worst. And worst. Okay, best thing in the movie for you. Uh, let's see. The best thing in this movie for me is the part that you refuse to acknowledge is, exists, which, <laughs> which, which is the part where the police chief gets his due. <laughs> uh, but but. If I'm going with one that you that we can both agree is actually a good part of the movie and does exist for both of us, uh-huh. it's got to be Kristen Chenoweth's "A Holy Night" song because because she's got the voice of a goddamn angel, and it was nice to have that finally come out and just be a thing that was okay. There you go. All right. So, what would you say was your favorite part? Uh, my favorite part is definitely when they suggest that the book be called "Food, Food, Food, Food." It is the only thing I laughed at during yeah. the movie. It's a complete non sequitur. <laughs> it's just like we'll call it "Food, Food." I'm like, what? The, the best part about her saying we'll call it "Food, Food" is that everyone in the room is like. Yeah, food, food. Like everyone is immediately on board. Like this is the best idea you've ever had. Oh my god! Keep her talking while that lightning's in the bottle. <laughs> it is amazing how on board everyone is with food, food. Yes. So that's 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 very good. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Worst thing in the movie is uh, it is it shouting into maybe Blue's ass? Uh, no, because at least that happens in a wide shot. Uh, the worst thing in this movie is Matthew Broderick running away like a terrified C three PO because he's saw a, a man in women's underwear it's so true it's the worst <laughs> it's, it's insane can you imagine i mean think of the most homophobic person you know if they were at the police station looking for help would they run off if they saw some women's underwear no 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 because they, have a, not. they still have a goal to accomplish yeah if i'm at a police station to make a complaint if i'm like huh there is some quirk about this officer whatever i don't care yeah it's 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 completely insane and so insensitive it's just insulting and even if you are that much of a terrible person the fact that he wouldn't go can i actually can i actually talk to that officer instead of you yeah 
No, he gives up on his goal and flees the police station never to return. Yep. Uh, I want to give a, a, a special shout out, though, to Danny DeVito straight up forging a signature and foisting off a $50,000 car on Matthew Broderick. Which, notably, Matthew Broderick can absolutely pay for. Yeah. He just doesn't want to. He's like, aw, I didn't want to buy that car. I guess but, I will, though. But it doesn't make sense. If he was completely flush with the, with the power to just buy another car, why did he spend the middle third of this movie driving around in a beater with no doors? <laughs> This movie, it doesn't, it doesn't add up. And it, this is one of those things where I hate rich people in Christmas movies because every once in a while they'll suddenly get worried about money. You know, Christmas with the Cranks, where he's like, "Hun, I'm worried because we've been spending six thousand dollars a year on Christmas every year for years. Let's stop doing that and instead spend four thousand dollars on a cruise." Okay, one, you have six thousand dollars to spend on Christmas. You can cold suck a dick. Yeah, what the fuck are you even spending six thousand? I, I need you to take up residence in my new jerusalem oh god <laughs> the dick line of a new jerusalem uh, okay so yeah uh, that's definitely a, uh, the money in this movie is is that the money in this movie deserves an honorable mention but yeah. what is your actual least favorite thing i mean it's it's this it's the broderick scene it definitely is him running away from the police station because good lord why yeah, so we'll give it our right. rating we'll both do a zero to five for a rating out of ten jeff deck uh, the halls 0.5 because i'm a huge fan of alia shawkat Great. That's all. Oh, and for Christian Chenoweth singing. Yeah, I'm gonna... I think I may join you on a point five. I was almost gonna give it a one. Mm -hmm. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. I'll give it a one. Okay. It's watchable. I like almost every one of the actors whose name I know in this movie. Yeah, that's the problem I have with it, is I'm like, it's eminently watchable because the actors are at least competent, I if like not... It like doing their best i like christian chenoweth i like matthew broderick i like i love danny devito oh yeah danny devito is amazing i'm a huge fan of alia shawkat i love all these people i even like jorge garcia a whole lot he gets like three lines of this movie and i was happy to see him also true uh, i would happily leave uh, fred armison to drown in a freezing river uh oh don't be mean to fred armison oh, fred armison deserves it fuck portlandia <laughs> Aww. If I want to watch two people jerk themselves off in slightly different costumes, I can just... <laughs> I will go to the New Jerusalem. I'll figure it out, but I don't need to... Oh, fucking Portlandia. Any, <laughs> anyway, um, but most of the actors in this movie I love, but they're wasted here. Yeah. It, I think I'll, I'll give it a one, so we'll have a 1.5 total for Deck the Halls. That still might be our greatest uh, thing we've ever given a Christmas movie. Yeah, Chris, Christmas movie ratings, man, they need their own rating scale, because it is... <laughs> baby, it's bad. <laughs> we'll have to do a baby it's bad outside rating <laughs> on a scale of one to it's cold outside how bad was this well this song wasn't originally about rape but the context sure has changed over the ensuing 70 years so i'm gonna have to give it a 1.5 <laughs> uh deck the halls 1.5 that was our rambling nonsense review that was sort of all over the place but okay. Get ready, because there's more coming. Oh, yeah. We are we are ready. We're going to have a special event. We're going to review more movies than we probably should this month, <laughs> just for you. And we're busy. I don't even know how I'm going to fit it in, but we're doing it. Oh, we're going to fit it in. Yep. <laughs> we're going to oil it up and New Jerusalem that shit. <laughs> Man, we're going to get a lot of emails about that, by the way. <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> All right. Trump well, can go ahead and set up his embassy in my New Jerusalem, if you know what I mean. Oh, my. That sounds like a gross invitation. That is the grossest invitation. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to Movie Mastery. We will, of course, be back with more stuff. If you want to vote on uh, our in-theaters now, it is not set in stone, I think. No, it's 
Jumanji's ahead, but you have time to change you that. You can fix it. It doesn't need to be Jumanji. That oh, said, it probably I, will be. I, I don't mind watching Jumanji. I love, it, the, I love the Rock. Yeah, it's the Rock and Kevin Hart dicking around yeah, for like two have, hours. Yeah, it doesn't have, what's her name, from Doctor yeah, Who and stuff, It does too. indeed have yeah. uh, Kristen Gillian. Ka- Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan, who I'm a huge fan of as well, so that's, I, I mean, come on, let's, that's going to be a fun one. Yeah. So, uh, so that'll be fine. Uh, oh, and Jack Black's in it. Meh. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Uh, you can go to the website, systemmasterypodcast.com. Go to the Movie Mastery tab in Theaters Now. That's where you'll find all of our polls for when we put up the In Theaters Now poll for the various months. That'll be up there. You can do that. Uh, if you want to check out any of the other podcasts while you're there, we have a whole ton of content we do in System addition to this. System Mastery and After... Well, we used to do Afterthought. System Mastery. Well, I mean, check out Afterthought yeah, anyway. We got, we got a whole bunch shit. of them. You can go listen to the 50-something 50 so, 50 of them that are there. Uh, then you've got a Gamma Crawl and, and uh, our expand, Expanded, expanded universe. universe. That's some good shit. That's, people are loving that. So uh, check that out. We just started a new book, so if you want to jump onto that, mm-hmm. that's just starting up. Now's the time to do it. And uh, other than that if you want to support us you can technically still go to patreon.com slash system mastery we're still on there even though patreon is being a huge pain in the butt yeah they're being the big grinch of this year's christmas if you want to donate a dollar to us it'll cost you a dollar 38 don't ask me why <laughs> so the but the nice thing is the more you donate the less the percentage problem is for you <laughs> oh perfect so instead of donating a dollar maybe give us five hey folks if you send in twenty dollars today you'll not only join our producer club but we'll send you this handy tote bag <laughs> tell you what if you want to what you need to do is you need to send some money in now that's the seed for your prosperity <laughs> oh hell yeah dude <laughs> we're getting into that prosperity <laughs> what gospel. you need to do is anoint the dollar that we're going to send back to you with the holy oils we include in the package once you've done that you need to send us that holy anointed dollar plus an additional five dollars and that'll start the prayer chain that'll bring the prosperity ringing down upon you like rain from heaven man i I, I wasted my life, didn't I? I should have been a prosperity gospel idiot. Oh, yeah. yeah. You should have. You should have been bilking people for money in a way worse way than this. Oh, my gosh. That would have been... Folks, please, donate to our Patreon to stop me from killing a million Midwesterners through starvation by taking all their money by promising them Jesus prayers. Uh, so, yeah, you can go do that. Or if you have a problem with Patreon, which we fully understand, we have put up, if you want to help donate to the cause, we've got our uh, PayPal <laughs> donation site up there. You'll find a new button on our website that just says give us some money <laughs> it just says give us some money and that way we can continue to eat and live and put out content <laughs> that's the only way it works <laughs> so uh yeah just go check that out of course we will be back in another couple of weeks with some more movie mastery but until then you have a good one <laughs>